Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What is up, everybody? I have a super cool guest on the show. It's Matt Roberts. Matt Roberts is from the United Kingdom. He is my first guest that I've ever had on from the United Kingdom that I know of. If you are a listener from the United Kingdom, send me a message. I'm just curious how many listeners I have from the United Kingdom. I see it on the, the Apple thing where it tells you how many countries are listening and how many subscribers i see some on there but if you send me the message i know it's you but anyway matt's coming on the show to tell us all about his coaching business called primal fitness and it's not just a coaching business where it gives you different workouts it's kind of like a lifestyle change whereas you change your eating habits and you change your mindset and like the things you do from a day-to-day basis to get to the goals you want but it's a slow process. It's not like a process where you throw out all the, you know, foods that have carbs in one day. You know, it's not like that. It's you make small changes and he evaluates every single person that signs up to where he knows he's doing everything right for the individual. It's not just a baseline, you know, program. And that's what I thought was really cool about this. And it seems to be going very well for him and his clients. Um, also got to bust his balls a little bit at the beginning because that's what I do here. Uh, if you went to Newberry this weekend, or even if you decided not to go to Newberry this weekend in South Carolina for the age group series race, I'm here to tell you it was a great venue. You missed out on a good race if you didn't go. I know the map made it super misleading. It made it look like there was a straight line that made it look like it was just a long service road. And that was not the case because that's what I thought. When I looked at this map, I was like, man, this is going to be flat and fast. That was not the case. There was a lot of more technical running on this course than I thought there was going to be. There was some ups and downs, not a lot, nothing aggressively crazy, but it was rolling. And They dropped you into this creek that was like maybe a foot deep in some places, but it was full of rocks, a lot of single track trails that had roots and like trees down that you had to jump over. And then when you got on the power line row, I mean, there wasn't a cut trail there either. It was like single track trail and some stuff that they had bush hogged. It was a great course. The worst thing was the heat. Saturday, it was, it was hot. And it was so humid. Sunday was a little bit better, but it was a great course. The carries were super easy, and they were probably on the flattest parts of the course that it could have been. But the dunk wall was awesome. It was like almost six feet deep. It was was crazy. I love the dunk wall. It was the best. Because you know me, I like to just jump right into the dunk wall, you know, and go as fast as I can through it. And that was a blast, you know. Um... What else? I mean, it was really close to the town. We managed to get one of the Airbnbs right there in town. We were five minutes away from the entrance to it. Everybody in the town was super cool, the little downtown area, and it wasn't a big place. I mean, it it was big enough to support a Walmart, and it had a bunch of different restaurants, you know. 
So, I mean, it was great. You know, there was some good Mexican food, some good barbecue joints there. But like I said, like walking through the little downtown, I mean, most of the stores were closed because it was six o'clock. But in every single window downtown, they had like a flyer up that said, Welcome Spartan Racers. And it just, it just, the, the whole town just gave off a cool vibe. Like people driving down the road were like honking at us when they saw us in Spartan shirts, you know, and it was just cool. You know, it was cool to be welcomed by the town like that because, you know, a lot of towns you go to, like they don't even know what a Spartan race is or, you know, what you're doing there. You know, they don't know nothing about what's going on in their town. And this town did, and, and it was really cool. And I heard that, you know, the mayor was really involved and they wanted, and they want the race to come back. And, you know, I don't know if you got that text after the race. It was like, sign up for your next sprint or your next super now at this cheap price. But if you would have clicked on that, it would have gave you a link to sign up for a South Carolina race. And it says to be determined, um, like the dates, you know. So, because I know they've already booked Tryon as being the Asheville race for August. I think it's August the 6th for next year. But it'd be great if they kept this venue in the... Uh, in the in the in the rotation for next year because I think it'd be great. But if you think about that too, like that's gonna be five races that's gonna be in the Carolinas. You're gonna have Charlotte, you're gonna have Tryon in August, Tryon in November, if they continue to do the Ultra in November, which I would think they would because I would think that's one of their more popular races, but uh and then they would have Newberry. So I mean that's that's five Carolinas races right there alone. Oh, and Fayetteville. Did I say Fayetteville? But anyway, a lot of Carolina races. So anyway, it was a great race, and I hope everybody had fun there. And I want to thank everybody that come up to me and said that they listened to the show. It means a lot. I really appreciate it. I was on course and just talking to my friends. Some people would say, is that I'm a Spartan podcast talking? I was like, yeah. So, you know, I met a lot of cool people this weekend, and if you were one of those friends that I knew what you drove, and I left a really cool bumper sticker on the back of your car, you're welcome. It's And it's a magnet, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. I, I, I know I knew a few people that I, I, I got, so you're welcome. But anyway, this is a great interview, and uh, I was, I mean, it was a pleasure for me to do this interview, because I really enjoyed talking to Matt, and like I said, if you need any if you need any changes or if you just need like something to change the way your workout routine has been going, join his online Facebook group and uh, reach out to him. But here's the interview, Matt Roberts. Matt Roberts, what is going on today, brother? How's it going, Scott? I'm, I'm very well, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. So, dude, you are the first person I've ever had on the show that's from the United Kingdom, man. <laughs> So welcome to the one show. Of, one of many to come. <laughs> yeah, man. Hopefully so. I, you know, I know, I, I kind of know how to like look at all that stuff and see where the different countries are at, where people are listening. And I know I got some <laughs> listeners from the United Kingdom. I think I have like some kind of almost all over the world, which is fascinating to me. But yeah. um, like what time is it there right now? Uh, it's just, just, just past 10 p.m. in the evening. Oh, wow. So I'm yeah. keeping you up late, man. Sorry about that, dude. I, I got an eight to five job, man. So <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. Oh, cool, man. So, uh, Matt, I want to get into like, you know, your background in 
like, you know, athletics and how you found OCR and how you become a coach. But every time I make an episode, like, I always try to find a picture to go with the episode to uh, put on Instagram to kind of, like, advertise the show, like, you know, make an IG post. And so... I was looking through your Facebook, man, and I found some pretty interesting shit, and we've got to go over this before we start any kind of interview, man. So, I come across this picture where you and your buddy look completely fucking smashed, (laughs) and you're taking a picture with Ice Cube, man. You got to tell me the story. Oh, wow. What, the Ice Cube one or, or the one where I'm smashed? Oh, from the looks of it, it looks like you're smashed in this picture. It almost looks like your eyes are crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe that's for another day then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, going into into that picture there, um, I was actually on a promotion course with with the army and me and a couple of lads were like, you know what, we've got the evening off, so let's let's go into town. Anyway, we go into this bar in, in Cardiff in Wales and there's this massive red carpet that goes all the way down the bar to, to the end. And myself and my friend are standing there. And all of a sudden, they start playing one of Ice Cube's songs. And I was like, all right, this is, this is cool. And then, like, we turn around and walking down this red carpet towards us is Ice Cube and this massive bouncer. Huh. Holy shit, what's going on here? <laughs> they literally come and stood at the bar beside us. And, yeah, we had a couple of shots with them. And, and that was that, really. But yeah, well, That, that was cool, man. Y'all look like y'all are already uh, several shots in before y'all had shots with the Ice Cube. Like, it, it was, what's crazy about this picture is, is Ice Cube looks like the sober one. Like, he looks like the designated driver, and he's taking y'all out for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, was that one of your military buddies in the picture with you? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I was uh, one of the guys from from the same regiment regiment as me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So also, I found like these random pictures, and there was like four or five of them where you just took some pictures of the movie Legend with Tom Cruise in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going to be an investigative journalist on this interview, did you, Matt? <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Giving giving some people some interesting stuff to look at, for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, excuse, excuse. So explain that. Were you just like, damn, this is a good movie. I'm going to take some pictures. Because there was no <laughs> captions. There's no captions with them. It's like, damn, this guy must really like the movie Legend. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah. So that must have been like after y'all met Ice Crew Cube and y'all are still pretty tanked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been on the way home or this morning after. And, uh, okay, and the last question about your pictures on Facebook. There was some pictures that were kind of dark and you couldn't really tell what was going on, but there was obviously <laughs> some people in thongs that had some kind of Congo drums and it looks like y'all were hanging out with some tribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go into that. So, all of these are from the military as well. Right. So I don't know what that says about the British Army. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, actually, that that picture was in Kenya. So we we done like a, an exercise. We was out there for a couple of months, and we were working closely with the Kenyan forces. And that was right at the end of of the exercise. So, 
obviously there was no drinking there was there was no going out we were like in the safari zones for weeks and weeks on end right. so we had uh, a bit of an opportunity to unwind at the end of it right and anyway our, our commanding officer's like right lads i've got a really good surprise for you so we were staying at this this resort this hotel he's like i've got you some dancers and the guys are like holy shit, this is going to be awesome. We've got some <laughs> African dancers. <laughs> and then they bring out a bunch of these men like dressed in next to nothing. And then when you involve uh, a bit of sort of Kenyan beer in it, then guys started getting naked and clothes off <laughs> and beating drums. <laughs> yeah, it got pretty crazy. But yeah. yeah. So it, it looked like you had sure. a good time in the British Army, man. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It makes me, I don't even know if the U.S. would let you share pictures like that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at least there wasn't anybody in the fatigues in any of those pictures. <laughs> yeah, maybe I can send you some other ones that are not on Facebook. <laughs> so, that that's great, man. Good stuff, man. But yeah, you didn't really have it. I didn't have to go deep into your pictures to find that. So they weren't really deep in there. So if anybody listening wants to see these great pics and see kind of Matt's history, they're easy to get to. Easy to get to. (laughs) So, all right, Matt, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, how you grew up, you know, and doing athletics. I know you were in the army for like 12 years and you had, and you found like a general fitness there. And then after that, you kind of found OCR, but just kind of tell us that story, man. Yeah. So going way back when, uh, grew up in the East of England and, uh, yeah, didn't have like the, the most fantastic upbringing. Um, yeah, it was just kind of a, a bit of a wild child. I always remember just being out in nature. Never really had like an athletic background, but I was always incredibly active, like out in the fields, running around, climbing trees, that sort of thing. I just like to be out in nature. Um, obviously, going through school, got quite good at running, but um, I wasn't part of athletics. I just hated school, so I'd run away from the head teacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's kind of where, um, yeah, what, what kind of started. And then um, when I moved into high school, it was around the sort of time um, when it was kind of kicking off in in, in the Middle East. Um, and obviously I was watching this and I didn't like school. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna join the army. Like, and, and that's kind of what I did. Um, I received a careers brief, brief when I was around sort of 12 years old. And these, these soldiers come in and gave this, this, this presentation. I was like, so, yeah, what qualifications do I need to, to join the infantry? And they're like, none. None. <laughs> that, that was the selling point for me. I was like, right, fuck this, I'm out of it. Um, so over the next few years, I just, yeah, carried on doing what I was doing. Um, and as soon as I got the opportunity to join the forces, um, turned up at the career centre and, uh, yeah, just pretty much moved forward, done my training. And then within six, seven months, I was, I was out in Afghanistan on, on my first tour. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't, didn't really have an athletic background as such was always active um the military in terms of fitness is is great um it's not very um functional in 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 the form of what we consider functional fitness in in today's world it's very specific to load bearing traveling across undulating terrain with heavy kit on your back and doing attacks and stuff like that so you become very conditioned to that um but it doesn't really set you up for success in terms of like functionality for your body working correctly. So right. yeah, over the, over the next sort of five to six years, um, just progressed with my career, bouncing from sort of P 
place to place, country to country, just kind of moving every sort of couple of years. Um, and then towards the back end of my career, I was like, there's so much more to this, to this fitness. And I become progressively out of shape, um, which is quite surprising to a lot of people. But I mean, if you look at a lot of soldiers, they are running to the ground, very inconsistent, irregular routines, training uh, on top of that as well is quite stressful, overstimulating, inadequate rest, recovery, the nutrition's really, really poor on top of that. And there's a lot of time away. So actually you become very fit, but you're also like not very healthy and like, yeah, my, my body really represented that and packed on like 40 pounds over a couple of year period just because of the inconsistencies. Um, and through that in itself, that spurred me on to, to change. And I was like, well, this approach isn't working for me. So I've got to do something about it. And then that's when I started to immerse myself into um, personal training, started getting qualifications and, like the last three to four years of, of my military career on the weekends, I was going away and doing workshops and studying um, and working with coaches to, to gain experience and get qualified. And then after work during the week, I'll be doing studying and stuff like that. And it was really born from there. Like it stemmed from not being in a very good place physically and mentally myself to just flipping and, and going out there and getting educated. Um, and that kind of, led on to where I'm, where I'm at right now. So. Well, before you leave the uh, Army side of this, just out of curiosity, were you like in any like big like conflicts while you were in the Army? I mean, if, if it's something you don't want to talk about, just let me know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've done two um, combat tours of, of Afghanistan, um, so I spent like, over a year out there, um, and we've done some pretty pretty um offensive stuff right. out there in, in terms of like pushing the taliban back uh, in particular on my sort of first tour we were the most northern call sign oh, wow. um in helmand province in in musakala um and there was a lot of uncontested ground and there was a hundred of us um like on that northern sort of front line um and like a couple of kilometers to the nearest sort of other patrol base so we were our own support mutually supported by um a small um detachment like on this mountainside but the enemy were literally 500 meters away like you could oh, look shit. across the field at where they were mm. so it was like no man's land uh, on, on one occasion we um uh this was only a couple of months into the tour um we basically pushed forward like two kilometers um, to establish a new patrol base to kind of push the enemy back. Um, and when we got the orders for this, the whole company was down with diarrhea and vomiting. Oh, so shit. people are being sick. People are on saline fluids, like drinking them. People are literally shitting themselves. <laughs> like, and then we're having to push forward and do this offensive. And anyway, we, we were one of the last um, platoons to push up to, to get to this place. And the engineers had managed to establish um, a little bit of ground and the other two platoons were, were, were supporting them. And anyway, we got up to Habib, which was this new patrol base that was being established after a little bit of a, a contest for the ground. And we see these engineers on this hill getting shot at and RPGs are, are flying at them. And the typical sort of British and infantry sense of humour is you just laugh. Um, <laughs> the which seems pretty crazy. And it was a, it was a laugh until our, our boss, our platoon commander come down. And he's like, yeah, so, um, we need to take the flack off these guys. So we need four volunteers to, 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 
to basically clear this route and, and take the brunt off them. And there was me, like, stood at the front, and I was like, All right, you know what, fuck it, I'm going. <laughs> Shit. And me and three other guys went and, like, cleared this route with the rest of the platoon behind us and some, some armoured vehicles. And we got probably four or 500 metres down the road, and there was contact IED right in the middle of the call sign. Oh, damn. Um, and then ambush. So, I mean, there was loads of stuff like that. Um that happened um, and that pretty much went on for about another four days we we're just bouncing from compound to compound and it ended up being our platoon that was probably only about 25 of us holding this this one compound um well taliban were literally trying to sort of like come in come in the compound for like for the next sort of um 24 hours or so whilst we're all like being sick and shitting ourselves as as well so Damn. it was uh, <laughs> that was uh that was eventful um, but it was a success in the end. I mean, we didn't um, like take any serious casualties. I mean, in that IED blast, our platoon commander, our boss, took fragmentation to, to like his face and his arm and stuff like that. Damn. The guy in front of me took bar armor and shrapnel. But I remember after that happening, just we were just deaf because we didn't really know what was going on. You kind of like when that went off, we got hit to the ground because of the blast. Right. It was just dust, dust everywhere, and I picked myself up and just stood up and was patting myself down. And I remember looking up and just feeling all this sort of like shrapnel and fragmentation coming down. So I laid back down and all, all this bar armor was hitting everywhere. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. And I mean, uh, there was various points like that across the tour. And then, yeah, I've done another tour of two years later that was similar in ways. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of yeah. <laughs> a bit of a war story. Yeah, man, that's, yeah. that's pretty intense, dude. Like, and that's something I've always wondered, too, you know, when you're, like, in firefights like that and you have, like, you know, explosions going on, like, how are you, like, you know, able to, like, protect your hearing? Do, I mean, do they, like, are you, like, wearing earplugs all the time, you know? But then are you able to hear, like, you know, the enemy because you're wearing earplugs? Like, how does... Like, what was, how, how did that go, like, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I go back to that instance, in terms of the hearing, like, hearing was blowing out, like, completely. You know, like, you, you see on probably, like, the films where it's like that, yeah, like that really high-pitched sound. Right. It's almost like that, but muffled. And I remember when, when we got into a compound after that happened, there was, there was jets circling around, and you, could, you couldn't even hear them like you're just like completely deaf wow um and then like over the next couple of years they started to develop technology almost like headphones that you could wear so you had like amplified hearing but also protect noise cancelling too yeah 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 so you've probably seen like i don't know on the news or whatever over the past few years all the different armor like the the crotch protectors the neck the eyes the ears like it just become pretty insane and immobile and yeah, don't tell anyone, but I used to I used to rod a lot of that stuff off so I could actually move. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm yeah. I'm sure a crotch protector is probably really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, man, that sounds like you was in some pretty hairy situations, man. Thank you for your service, brother. And uh, yeah, continue continue where you were at. Yeah, so um, basically across my sort of career I just progressed in and like I said by the time I got to making the decision where I wanted to move into the fitness industry um yeah um that was a lot a lot of that really sort of stemmed from wanting to change myself but also actually wanting to leave the army I, I kind of 
felt like there was so much more to life than doing that. And when I signed up, I signed up for, for 12 years. That was kind of my contract. I mean, I could have left before that. Right. Um, but that's what I always said I wanted to do. And then partway through my career, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the full career, the full service. But over that sort of decade, like things changed, like the, right. the climate changed. We weren't uh, no longer going on operations to like Afghanistan. And yeah, I just weren't very happy with, with the sort of pace of life and wanted a bit of freedom. So completely broke clean. Um, once I left the military, started working in a gym, literally just as a personal trainer, right. um, which was great. Worked with a bunch of different clients, people in like the teens all the way up to the seventies, which was really, really good for my experience. Um, I've done that for a period of time, um, and at the same time, I was like continuing my education um, as well as working. And that's when I moved into health coaching, um, and in particular, ancestral health coaching. And that's kind of where I'm I'm at now. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that. But as time went on in the gym, what I started to to realize and see was it's all good and well, like putting so much time, effort, and energy and emphasis onto the training aspect, even if people were training two or three times a week with me. But what happens if you don't actually apply yourself when you go home? So looking at the lifestyle, looking at the nutrition, your sleep, your stress management, like what are you actually doing outside of the gym? And I found the people that I had in the gym were invested, but they weren't applying the full works outside. And it's incredibly challenging as a personal trainer, and I know I've got a lot of personal trainers in my community and people that follow me, it's incredibly challenging to get up early early in the morning, start work at six, train people through till sort of like late morning, early afternoon, yeah. and then have a little bit of a break and then go to 10 p.m. Like you can only focus on those people that are in front of you. Um, so as good as it is and as beneficial it is to the individual to, to work on form um, and improve what they're doing, Ultimately, as a personal trainer, you just count reps and sets and critique on form when actually the magic happens with the nutrition, with the lifestyle and everything like that. So Absolutely. as time went on, I identified that and I started sitting in the office more with the clients. So when they arrived, they'd expect to go out and do some barbell work or, or whatever else. But no, let's jump in the office, let's talk nutrition, let's talk about lifestyle, let's do some check-ins, let's check some stats, like what's going on. And that was really, really effective. And that gained a lot of ground. Um, and that was what I started to shift more into kind of doing the coaching aspect as well as the training. Um, and then the pandemic hit mm. and a lot of things closed down um, everything closed down I kind of anticipated this about a month before and I was like I kind of want to shift more onto the online realm I understand that it's going to be a lot more powerful and I'll have far better reach and people get better results so that's what I'd done a month before um, I minimized all the people that I was working with started to convert my <coughs> clients to online coaching um, and that's really where it kind of started and that's when primal um, was essentially born and we've kind of built on the success over over the past um, two and a bit years so well it must be doing pretty good because you're uh you're a lady a girl off your sales team that actually lives here in georgia uh christy manis she reached out to me and informed me about this and i'm like you i was like thinking you got somebody on your sales team in the u.s and you're from the uk you must be doing something right man <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly it's certainly growing, and um, yeah, I, I don't really know what my vision was to to start with. I just knew that I wanted to help people first and foremost, and I think like 
anyone will know when you're passionate about something it's almost effortless to go out and do it like you don't see it as work um and i think it was great at the start of the pandemic from from the standpoint of people needed that help needed that support and like the community that sort of come about in the early stages of the pandemic because everyone's like sat at home got additional time and then you just connect in on zoom and, and, and in a virtual way it was it was really really great and it's really just built on on its success over over the past couple of years in, in terms of like who we've worked with and the power of today's world and social media um is that the reach is endless like we can be all around the the, the globe i mean we contact people from australia i have a coach in australia I've got loads of coaches in the state there's a bunch of clients in the states um, oh, wow. people in europe all over the uk so yeah it's 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 really it's really great it it truly is so were y'all in one of the towns where when the pandemic hit they had like regulations like on how much time you could spend outside were y'all in one of those towns yeah i'm pretty um I'm pretty rural, to, to be honest. Um, and this, this is kind of the way I work. I just knuckle down. Like, I really just utilise that time. Like, I, I'm that guy that doesn't have a TV in his house, doesn't have a radio. So, like, I didn't really know what was going on in the outside world. I just oh, wow. used it to focus on what I was doing. Um, so I was very disconnected in that way. Um, yeah. So it was... I think that was a lot of what shaped what what we do and what I do now was just having that isolation period just to be really, really focused. And there was weeks and weeks on end where literally I was on my own my house and the only people I was connecting with was, was clients and, and networking and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, pretty interesting time to, to be sure. So you don't have a TV in your house? <laughs> <laughs> sound like a right weirdo to most people <laughs> no actually yeah, i mean well. i get it because the tv is definitely a distraction and a healthy lifestyle it absolutely is but i guess i won't be able to talk to you about the newest season of peaky blinders in so <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately not no no you can give me some homework but i'm just no, messing I think, with you i think the powerful thing is and, <clears> and what i've seen as time goes on i mean we're very connected in terms of like what what we can do and, and our reach in today's world, but we're also very disconnected to the people that are, are, are closest to us. Right. And that's one of the, the benefits I've seen of not like having the distraction of having the television, the radio. It's not to say that I don't enjoy things or right. watch things from, from time to time, but like having that actual human interaction connection is really, really powerful. And the people that are in my immediate vicinity and people that come into uh, my life and like the, the community of, of primal, like they'll come to my house a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, like it was so cool just to be sat around the fire in the evening, mm -hmm. just, just chatting, discussing, eating good food with no distractions. And you just see how different people are. But if you look in most households today, it's like, there's the television and right. everything centered around the television and everyone's looking or they're looking on another box and things like that. So or I the think phone. It's, yeah, yeah it, exactly, exactly. And there's so much more to it than that. I mean, there's a time and a place for that to, to rest and relax. But for me, I, I just find it is a distraction. I'm like anyone else. Like you say, Peaky Blinders, put a, <laughs> good, put a good box set in front of me. Like I'm, I'm doing all nine seasons. Right, <laughs> nine. yeah. So, it's me too, man. So <laughs> if, if I don't have that, then I don't have that distraction. I apply a lot of that to different 
um, aspects of my life. It's kind of Spartan in a way, really, because right. it's like applying simplicity, subtracting things in the environment so you're not distracted. So actually, you can focus on your craft, you can focus on your trade and be super productive and get the outcomes that you want. And maybe that's another reason why I've kind of progressed so much with my own personal development and also like Primal has, has pushed on because it has literally just been knuckle down and, and, and go to work on that with, with minimal distractions. So. So tell us a little bit about, you know, uh, your primal fitness and like, like, tell us like, what is like the basis and like your different training plans that you have? Because I know a lot of it is OCR related and OCR focused. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, everything we do is, is health focused, um, I believe and I know that like health should be at the forefront of everything we do. And ultimately if we're healthy and our body and mind are functioning optimally based on who we are um, in the environment we live in, then we're going to get the best results out of, out of our transformation, out of our lifestyles, out of our training. And that's where the shift really happened for me. Like in the military, I was overtrained, undernourished, very stressed. And actually I looked like crap and felt like crap. Um, and, and that wasn't serving me. But when I started to unwind, slow down, do things appropriately and kind of align with my genetics, um, our genetics as a human being by being in a low stress environment, eating real food, moving appropriately, little and often, and then occasionally lifting some heavy things and then doing an all out exertion once in a while, like I completely transformed and that's continued to be built on. So that's kind of what we do. Um, we, bring ourselves back in alignment with what humans should be really doing. And a lot of that is a low stress environment. If I put some more context on this, if we look around the globe now to um, zones of, of the world that still have tribes, that are still living uh, a natural human lifestyle, these guys have like six to eight hours worth of like downtime, rest and relaxation a day. And But for us in like the modern world and the Western world, we think, wow, that must be a really hard life. They don't have a TV. They don't have this, that, the other but they've got minimal stress and they have a lot of fun. And going back to what I said, they'll be around the fire, having that human connection mm -hmm. and they're fit, they're healthy, they have long lifespans and, and things like that. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing. We're going back to nature. We're bringing alignment between sort of like all the pillars of health. And then when that's in a good place, um, and that could take six months, that could take a year. I mean, it's very specific to the individual. Then what we'll do is we'll start focusing more on, on the performance. Um, to give some context, um, three of our clients in the past couple of weeks have, have, have moved into the phase two program, which is our Evolve, which is our performance-based one. Um, so they've been working on like health health-focused training, so everything from nutrition to, like, appropriate movement and adequate sort of training, and then focusing on the lifestyle, like the stress management, the sleep, the morning routines, the evening routines, the daily routines, like planning for productivity and just really optimizing everything. But now, like, six to eight months down the line, they're focusing more on performance. And to give some context on that, one of the guys that's been with us eight, nine months got his first podium in a race uh, about six weeks ago. So really all of that stems from 
being healthy because a healthy person is someone that's going to perform to the highest standard that, that they can. It's almost like you've probably heard the, the saying you wouldn't put like low quality fuel or oil in a supercar. It's exactly the same for a human being. And there's a lot of toxic things that are in the environment that aren't necessarily setting us up for success and they're certainly not healthy. So it's about identifying what that is based on the individual and minimizing that and then adding some, some decent things back in. Um, so there's various stages anyway with our programs, health focused, and that's primal awakening. We call it the, the primal awakening because it's almost like a series of epiphanies. <laughs> like right. When people go through it, they're just like, oh, how, how did I not see this? Why was I not doing this before? And it was a massive aha moment for me. And then evolve is really where the, the transforming those habits, those, those routines, those basics into a lifestyle. And normally when they get it into a really good position and over 12 to 18 months down the line, then we're looking at like legacy and, and ultimately creating a new identity. And that's kind of where I sit right now. Cause I've been doing the primal sort of lifestyle officially in, in this way for the past sort of four or five years now. Um, so that's a bit of a timeline um, in terms of the program, health focus, translate that into performance specific to the individual, but ultimately doing a full transformation of like the nutrition, the training, the lifestyle, and also helping them with the mindset. And the mindset's a really, really big thing. Um, a lot of people lack um, confidence. Um, whether that's in themselves, their capability, their body. We've got a lot of past programming, conditioning from childhood, from like when we grow up and all the knocks and scrapes we take as, as we push through life. And ultimately it keeps us stuck in a rut and, and, and we, we struggle to sort of make decisions to, to progress. So we work with people to coach them through that so that they can be more decisive, so they can get the outcomes that they want. But then also another piece to that education is, well, giving people the, the specific information and knowledge they need to, to succeed so they can build on that success in a progressive and sustainable way. So, yeah, it's quite a lot to it. Um, but really what formulates the, the basis of the program is is the individual and where they want to go. Right. And we, will, we will apply the, the primal sort of principles, philosophy to that, um, and then guide them to shape and create them and what they want to get out of the program. Yeah, and I mean, there's a wide array of different people globally in this program. And yes, they're the same sort of people. They're on the same mission. Um, they want the same things. But what works for me won't necessarily work for you or the next person. So it's really about exploring and finding what works and then building on the success. Right. So like, and, and you say, you know, you got the first one, which is Primal Awakening, and then you have Primal Evolve and then Primal Legacy. And you said, yeah. like, for a timeline, it was like a 12 months to become primal legacy. So if primal yeah. awakening is like, you know, like the first level, like what kind of commitment is that in that level? Like, is there like a timeline, like in six months you'll be done with it? Or is it one of those things where if you advance faster, you can go on to the next level faster? Or if you need longer time, you can stay in that one for a longer time? Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's centered around the individual. I mean, right. we've had a few people stay in the awakening phase. They're like, yeah, I've learned so much. We had a guy last year who done awakening. He's like, you know what? I've absolutely crushed this, but I want to do it again. I feel like another sort of four to five months of, of doing this approach will really solidify this in my routine before I move forward. And that's what he did. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of down to the individual but myself and, and the other coaches will assess whether actually it's a good move because it might not be the best move as much as people want to move forward and progress right um, just want to change their lifestyle 
Yeah, exactly. And we don't see it as like stagnation because if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people we speak to, they could have been like stuck in a rut for two years, five years, 10 years, like 25 years before they commit to change. Right. And then they experience significant changes in six months. It could be too much to go on to primal evolve within six months. So they'll spend a little bit more time in awakening and we'll reassess it. And when they're happy, we'll move forward and we'll just guide them as, yeah, it's, it's really about them and, and what they need and where they need to go. But it's really about the basics, nutrition, um, fitness, lifestyle, mindset, and awakening, getting all of those four core areas into a good place. And then literally building on the performance aspect. So performance, nutrition, performance sort of based training um, in terms of the mindset, it's like deeper race strategy and tactics um, within that. And then as for the lifestyle, it's just kind of taking things to the next level. So a deeper dive um, on the sleep and the routines and planning. We have a lot of people that have their own businesses. So there's aspects of that. And it's quite good when people get together and, and share ideas and things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to it, but, the thing is here, if this seems overwhelming on what I'm saying, it seems like a, a big commitment. Um, yeah, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, people are in a, in a bad place for a long time. A six-month period is a snippet of time um, in regards to that. And then everything we do is pitched at their level. It's not a case of going, you know right. what, you've committed to this program, so you've got to change here, here, and here, and do this and do that. And then you incorporate 52 changes overnight. And then by Friday you're overwhelmed, you burned out and you crashed because right. you've just taken on too much. It really is about like doing it in a progressive and sustainable way, focusing on the big pillar, knocking that big pillar down, creating some momentum and then just pushing forward. But at the same time, working on small, consistent changes. So it's just continual progress and we want to make it seem like it's effortless. And that's also an added benefit of doing it for a, a prolonged period of time. Um, because we alleviate any self-induced pressure or pressure from the coaching team to get immediate results. And this is a big thing that I see within the fitness industry. There's, I don't know, month-long programs, eight-week challenges, yeah. or six-week this or 12-week that, and it's great. Like it really, really is. It, it serves a purpose if people need quick change. But the problem I see is there's no continuation. Right. Um, and there's no continuation purely because the trainers think they've given it all and they can't offer anyone else um, anything else, which which isn't true. But then also it's harder for them to kind of sell people that sort of stuff. Um, but it doesn't set people up for success. And that's why we're kind of realistic. Like if, if we both said to each other, right, we want to lose 50 pounds um, and I want to get ready for a, a podium position in six months' time, probably pretty unrealistic. But if we go like here's the timeline over the next three years, we're going to work on this. Then we're going to shape and create this and move to this and this and this people will be deterred because they'll be like, Oh, I don't want to do that in three years. I want to do that in six months. But if we're realistic about it, that, that would set us up for success in, in, in the long term. Um, so yeah, I think quick approaches are good, but right. they're unsustainable. They're restrictive. Exactly. They put a lot of pressure on the individual and also they're not really sort of healthy. So a message to anyone that listens this back, if you're in a particular place and you want to make some changes, like do it really, really slowly. It's better to lose half a pound a week. If, if weight loss is your goal, um, or a pound a week for the next 52 weeks, rather than trying to lose 50 pounds in the next, I don't know, 16 weeks or something like that, because it won't be enjoyable. It would be painful. And this is something we do with our guys is like, we want you to enjoy it. Like right. if you're suffering a process, right. Then- <laughs> you're not going to stick with it. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. 
So, so Matt, tell me, so let's say one is to sign up for the primal awakening and like, what should they expect? Like in the first week is like changes that they have to make and like the exercises they may, may be given to do. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when people, when people jump on, there's, there's a big evaluation phase um, because we really need to see where they're at physically, mentally. So we'll be assessing nutrition. So we'll, we'll go and get them to do food diaries. They could be extensive. They may not because we need to know what they're actually eating day to day and looking deeper into that. Are the foods that they're eating right now actually serving them to a highest level? So we'll do that for maybe seven to 10 days, getting them to log and track, not really change anything so we can see the pattern of life and what they're doing. And then how we progress that after that sort of week to 10 days is we'll go, what's most important right now? Like, what do we need to include in this? Like, what do we start uh, uh, sort of working on sort of minimizing and avoiding or, or removing to gain a, a small amount of ground and then we'll just build on that like week in week out what do we need to change what do we need to do versus like a typical restrictive diet where they're like put them in a massive calorie deficit right. and you're not allowed this this and this and this and immediately people are like holy shit like um, <laughs> what it just becomes unsustainable. So right. we do it the complete opposite way. Um, we've got a saying like live primal, eat in abundance. Um, and the reason you can eat in abundance is because you're eating real food and, and a huge amount of it. I put it on my story yesterday, like must have had like four four plates of food and just a ridiculous amount of food. And you've seen pictures of me nowadays. I'm not I'm not the chubby kid that I used to be. <laughs> right. And actually I eat more and I feel more energized and I perform a lot better. And it's exactly what we teach people. Um, and that's what we do in awakening. We, we teach people, um, about nutrition. It's like, well, by you doing this food diary, you know, actually the quantities of food, like what the macronutrient breakdown is, what's actually contained within those macronutrients in terms of like the vitamins and minerals and actually like how they make you feel and how your body metabolizes them. So it's not just about eating this and following something. It's like, we want to show you how to do that and actually why you're doing it specifically that way. So that beyond the time that you work with us, you can you can you can manage that on your own and speaking to jimmy um which a lot of people know um that sort of like follow me on social media he's one of our guys from from the states who's absolutely crushing it I had a coaching call with him earlier and he's like oh i've been tracking for like six six months or so and i'm in a really good place but we've now moved him in primal evolve onto more of an intuitive based model right now because he's got such a detailed understanding of nutrition he can look at food and, and, and pretty much knows this is x amount of protein x amount of fat x amount of carbohydrates contained within this so that's kind of what we're training on so he doesn't have to be a slave to using a food diary or my fitness power or something right. like that so that's kind of what we do over six months is education on, on that in terms of the fitness we'll assess um, cardiovascular fitness in terms of like low intensity high intensity um, we'll also like see where people are actually with a cardiovascular health with um a number of tests like breath hold tests and things like that um also for the strength training we will do spartan specific stuff so like looking at grip and then we'll do like full body sort of calisthenics um workouts typically um or assessments to find out where they are once we've got those baseline standards um we've got a whole host of other sort of details like training history injury history all of that stuff then what myself and the team will do down is sit down look at each person that's, that's hopped on and then go away and build their program um, and then it'll kind of go from go from there. We'll we'll build a program out three to four weeks in advance, and then we'll revisit that 
um, give them uh, a sort of progress review call to say, this is where you were, this is where you are now, this is what you need to work on, what do you think, and we'll coach them through the process. But the beauty of this is it's not about us saying and then doing. We get everyone involved in the process. Right. right? So you get exactly what you need, but you also get what you want versus a lot of people will be like, there you go, just go and have that, follow that, follow this, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, it needs to be specific to the individual, everything from the reps, the sets, uh, the, the the time, the intensity on the workouts to make sure that actually they're not overtraining. Because if you do one session that's ineffective, or you overreach, you overtrain, well, that's going to have a knock-on effect to everything. So we guide them on that um, and get them to give us a lot of feedback. We use an app. Um, to track absolutely everything and the beauty of that is we know when people are logged in we know when they haven't <laughs> we know what they've logged we know what they haven't we know if it's accurate we know if it's inaccurate right. so there's a, a high level of detail that that goes into that um yeah and then a lot of it is just formulating habits so we'll put everything on the calendar um get them to go away and implement it with our guidance uh, they'll give us feedback we'll communicate with them and then progress it um as and when that sounds cool. Um, so, like, your other coaches, so your other coaches, they kind of just work under you pretty much? Yeah, collectively as, as a team, we, right. we all chip in. Um, I've got Matt Matchin, who's my, um, well, basically my, my senior, my head coach, who, who works very closely um, beside me, and he supports me a hell of a lot, um, to be honest. Um, Primal Fitness wouldn't be where it is today with without him. Um, and then we've got one of uh, a younger athletes who's actually been through our programs, and, and that's one of the reasons why he's now on, on the coaching team, um, Liam Mitchell. Um, I actually knew him from from the army. I was actually his instructor <laughs> when I was at a training establishment, so I was that, that horrible guy that was breathing down on him, like making him feel <laughs> like dirt. Um, and anyway, like, I don't know, it must have been six or six years or so later, um, we just kind of reconnected on Facebook and um, I reached out to him and said, hey, how are you doing? And like, he must have like cacked his pants because like, I was a horrible person at that time and he must have thought, oh shit, my instructor's like reaching out to me if you want. <laughs> um, and anyway, I saw him like engaging with stuff on social media and had a conversation with him and he happened to be in a pretty sort of dark place with his mental health. Um, oh, wow. and, yeah, got it got him on got him on the program and, and really supported him over the next six months was which was really pivotal ended up moving into our evolve program and then um literally last year he um yeah he absolutely smashed it in in the spartan series in in age group and come second in in the nation i think there's something like 10 points between him him and first so from going like from a really bad place to, to progressing all the way through was huge and then um yeah at the start of this year um yeah, we, we pretty much in, employed him, got him on the team because uh, he's got all the right calls and, and things like that. And that's kind of where, where we're at. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And I also saw on your website that you have kind of like a 21-day a program. I guess it's kind of like just a taste of some of the other programs or something. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, this is this is something that comes up all the time. People are incredibly skeptical about what I say. <laughs> like it's some, some sort of like um, wizardry or, or something like that. Right. Um, so purely like that 21 day program apex is, is there as like an educational um, resource um, tool program. Um, going back to Jimmy again, Jimmy, who's now been with us like eight, nine months, mm -hmm. um, who's absolutely crushing it. He started off in apex um, and then, 
through the transformation he got in apex i think he lost something like 19 or 20 pounds in 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 the 21 days or something like that wow. huge transformation i think there's pictures like over on social media or, or facebook or something like that um and then that's what basically spurred him on on to join so a lot of that is to give people a good kickstart good understanding get them some great results experience some of the benefits so they sort of build confidence in in themselves and then ultimately if they want to sort of continue their success then then they can jump on and, and do that and i think like i said that's the most important thing like i don't offer the 21 day apex as a standalone thing because i'm not a believer in that being completely transformative yes right. you can learn some great things but how much are you really going to change in 21 days yeah, you can you can lose some weight you can feel better you can learn a few things but what's the point in that if you're just going to regress so like anything like even if it's with us like choose something so you can continue so you can so you can move on otherwise you're just going to go back to your old ways and i've seen a lot of people do that um over the years so yeah it's a, it's a great educational resource and like we've got like personal trainers on the program and, and other people in the fitness industry and they take tremendous value from from what we do and we all need that structure support and accountability so no matter what level we are at like it's such a good resource and a tool because it's just well uh, a composite um sort of like um what do you call it sort of a, a condensed version of, of right. what we what we do in in the other programs so how many clients do y'all have right now that you know of well what we're sitting on now um in awakening there's like 42 i think and then we've got like number in uh, evolve right now like 12 and evolve so these are the the higher level ones the people that are on the, the sort of program so right. sitting in around sort of 50 at the moment yeah now do y'all have a cap on like how many y'all can train or yeah for sure because it's, it's all about quality i right. mean it's, it's it's pointless if you're just going to take people on and, and not really deliver and that's why i've got a coaching team and, and the coaching team's growing and expanding um purely so we can we can deliver on that so yes um it's pretty pretty important so so the coach that you have here in in the u.s does he pretty much coach all the people in the u.s and you coach everybody in the uk or is it like you said y'all work as a team and consult about all your clients as a team yeah 100 percent. everyone everyone on the coaching team assists with it's not a case of like um yeah you you solely work with matt or you solely work with me we all have our different roles and different expertise um, contained within that. Like Matt, um, he's in Central America, so it's great because he's more on the sort of like US time zone, which is right. great for communication and coaching and stuff like that. But general running sort of week week on week, day to day, um, we're delivering like group coaching calls, one-to-one -one coaching calls. Um, there'll be programming going on. There'll be team huddles, meetups. Um, so, yeah, there's lots, lots going on in, in regards to that. Um, so if somebody wanted to like sign up for any of this or get some more information from you, like where can they find you? I know you've got a Facebook group and you've got a website, but you want to tell people about those? Yeah, for sure. So um, a lot of what we're doing now is is literally all through social media. I mean, I do have a website, which is livingprimal.co.uk. Um, you'll be able to find a lot of the things that I'm speaking about here um, on, on there. 
um, but also like Facebook um, um, and also Instagram. I've also got a, a Facebook group, uh, which is really blowing up. We've got like over a thousand people in there right now. Um, and literally we're just delivering obstacle course racing training, um, doing like live trainings and things like that, which is, which is really good. Um, but yeah, if you need support, then just drop me a personal message or right? I manage all my social media. I'm not, um, <laughs> I don't have people like monitoring and messaging and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, that is actually actually me and a regular question i get and i spoke about it yesterday on my story is like people mm-hmm. people in disbelief are like so matt do you actually do you actually do this for a living like <laughs> they, just, they just they just see me like wandering around barefoot and shirtless all the time and think <laughs> how can this be someone's life like how, how could how does this work yeah um but yeah i spend a lot of my time on, on social media i mean that's that's where we where we meet people it's a it's a social network and that's what it's there for to to speak to people to help people and it's unbelievable the the impact it's it's made so far on all the people that we've worked with and, and helped with um over the past few years so yeah drop me a personal message instagram at pf matt roberts or on facebook um you'll be able to find me as matt roberts um it's a picture of me smiling and got some sort of trees in the background and, and stuff but um yeah feel free to join the obstacle dominator group as, as well there's some plenty of great content in there uh, but yeah the help is out there if, if you need it and Matt, like you've done really good for yourself, like running OCR, especially like the the Spartans, and you you won your series in age group last year, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's that's correct. So yeah, that's that's been an, kind of an ongoing project. When I first got into OCR, um, yeah, I didn't really have a clue. I just come off the back of. Um, my army career and I was in fact when I'd done my first race I was still in the army and I was like you know what I'm going to sign up to to a race I'm going to do it competitively and <laughs> I'm going to start with, and I'm going to start with a beast <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did I started with a beast and I thought yeah it's going to be easy and it was in Windsor which is like in the south of the UK and it pissed it down it was freezing cold oh, man. I wasn't prepared um, and ended up dropping the atlas on my foot and oh god being like the military mindset that or military person that I was, I was like, I'm going to grizz it out. And the Atlas weren't even that far in. So I ran the rest of the race with a broken foot and failed loads of obstacles. I remember coming into the arena and failing, failing three obstacles on the bounce and taking 90 burpees on one leg oh, and then going down with hyperthermia at the end. So yeah, I've, I've made some mistakes for sure, but I've learned and grown based on that. Um, but then that kind of gave me the, the the fire in the belly that I needed because I I really wanted to go back and and perform Um, and it took me a good amount of time to recover off the back of that race Uh, and at the time I was quite overweight as well wasn't in the shape that I am now Um, and it literally took me like six months of like rehabilitation like working with physio working with a podiatrist I wasn't able to to run until like six weeks after uh or sorry six weeks before the first events in 2019 um and then i went out and competed didn't do really really well like absolutely saw my ass on it and finished like 10th and 12th in in age group and one of the other things that really spurred me on to put more time effort and energy into this was like looking up at that podium and being absolutely gutted that i trained my ass off for like six or seven months in the off season 
to push through this injury, but I just didn't have the running conditioning because I hadn't hadn't run and didn't have the experience on on the obstacles. Um, and then going into the next event about a month later in in Ireland, uh, went and done a race there. And actually, I was in a good position at the start of the race. Um, and till I got to Twister, fell off Twister, um, and then had a little bit of a pissy fit while I was doing burpees. <laughs> and anyway, got back into got back into the race after watching all these people running past me. And I must have been in about twentieth, if not further back. Clawed my way back to sixth place. Come into the spear throw of a bunch of people. People took burpees. Ended up finishing the race third in in that race, Sweet. Um, which was which was great. Until it come to the podium, and they were like um, called other people up, basically because I've had a little bitch fit, um, and I didn't count my burpees, so they disqualified me. Oh man! <laughs> um, so yeah, again, I was stood at the edge of the podium, like holy shit, I've messed up. But all of these like are really, really important for my growth and really shapes right. kind of my mindset now. It's like actually the failure is like accepting that defeat or the way that you handle the situation versus actually just like tackling that head on, dealing with the failure, dealing with the punishment and then moving forward and got up the next day, done the sprint and podiumed in that one. I think I took um, second or third and then across the whole of that year, I just went from leaps to bounds. The next weekend I done, I took consecutive golds, um, took some bronzes, silver and then finished the season at Windsor where I broke my foot the the year before um, with consecutive golds and, and finished, I think, third in the yeah, third in the in the series that year, and so, then going into twenty twenty one, then that was when I done the the national series again and, and won. Well, that's awesome. Um, so over here, you know, they're they're trying to like standardize all the Spartan races. Are they doing that over there too as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of the races and the venues that we've been to, it's almost like the same layout. Um, a lot of the stuff is relatively easy as well in terms of the obstacles there's not anything that's too arduous to to be quite honest so pretty much yeah, like the that's... only grip obstacles that are in the sprint would be like the z wall the monkey bars and the rig with rings is that kind of how they're doing it yeah yeah there's nothing too complex like the multi-rig with different grips and things like that it's all pretty right. standard basic stuff there's nothing really too technical in in Spartan from what I've seen the more technical stuff here in the UK is like the short courses or like the ninja um, courses or things like that which are just completely next level and that's something I've started to immerse myself in this past year as well just for a bit of a a different dynamic um, to to my skill set because over here in the states you know like more people seem to be kind of leaning more to the age group than elite so like this weekend for instance which it was an age group series race this past weekend where we were at but like the elite heats like there might have been you know five to ten people in the women's and the men's elite heat are are y'all seeing that same kind of trend over there as well yeah i mean it, it really varies i think a lot of the elites now are like picking like an A race, right? Um, for the majority, so they'll they'll keep themselves fresh. So, for instance, um, yeah, the Midlands, um, there must have been fifteen elite men in one of the races. 
um, on the Saturday. I think it was the Beast. Right. And then on the Sunday, there must have been like 30 or 40. So it, it really varies. I think it depends for us, like what else is on um, and um, whether that's part of the series. I know that Super was part of like the UK right. OCR series, which is like a, a big thing for points here in the UK, not just, not just Spartan. So more people show up for that and, and contend. But yeah, it really, really varies. The age group ones are, are really packed. And I know a lot of guys that I've spoken to this year already are going to step up into elite next year right. just to make the field a little bit more deeper. But we're also getting a lot of Europeans over and they're giving, a, well, all of us a run for, for their money because obviously they've got the hills, they've got the terrain, they've got the elevation um, and they're just very well conditioned and uh, absolutely phenomenal athlete. so yeah so so like out of all the courses over there that you've done as far as like spartan races go like if we were to come over there and try out a race what would you say would be a, a must do race definitely the wales one um just because of the terrain it's probably the um yeah the toughest course that you could probably do in, in the uk the toughest one that i've spoken to people that they've done i mean scotland's pretty challenging but the, the welsh one it's just yeah lots of elevation and then like the actual terrain itself um it'll be proper bushwhacking um for the most part they'll literally just get a strimmer and go through like some woods or bushes and yeah it's just really hard on the foot relatively technical trails um but yeah, it's just more the elevation more, more than anything but it'll be a good one and it's quite a nice part of the world as well so yeah have you done the Morzine course over there? I know a lot of people talk about Morzine being a good course. The people that's come from the States and gone over there anyway. <laughs> no, I'm yet to do it. But um, it was only on a, a few weeks back and one of our guys actually went and done it. He'd done the ultra there and got some incredible pictures. It looked phenomenal. But yeah, he said the elevation was <laughs> unreal. Right. <It's laughs> It looks crazy in those pictures where it shows where they're like swimming in some water and there's a waterfall. That looks really neat. Yeah, yeah. And you climb up that cargo net, don't you, to, yeah. to get to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks pretty exactly. tough. Well, Matt, yeah. we're getting close on an hour here, but I always ask people that come on the show the same questions, and I'm going to ask you too. So... To this day, out of all the races that you've done, and it doesn't have to be Spartan, it can be anything, like what has been your most favorite race and why? Um, does it have to be OCR or can it be like military competition event? Oh, it can be either one. It doesn't matter. Any race. Cool, cool. There's been some military ones. There's patrol competitions. There's one called um, Cambrian. Um, and, and basically that's in Wales in, in the Black Mountain. It's a two-day two endurance event uh wow. well there are about two days you and you literally got like a 30 35 kilo pack on your back and it's uh, a long range recce patrol um yeah it's pretty crazy like different stands and, and things like that that's why i typically don't go for like ultra distance or anything else like everyone's like why don't you do that it could be good it's like i spent 12 years doing this shit but i don't <laughs> want to do it anymore <laughs> so, um yeah that's probably the most epic one that I've I've done like proper ultra endurance like hundred kilometers um, with packs on and yeah doing attacks and stuff like that falling asleep on patrol and things like that. Did you have to um, like do orienting in that too as well, or did you have like a route that was pretty much set in stone? Yeah, you'd have checkpoints, but we'd have to navigate to it. Um, but because it was reconnaissance, um, you'd have to do it in in the dark. And 
stuff like that. So Shit, done, man, I would. Horrendous. I, I, there's no way, man. I've getting, I've gotten lost on marked trails. There's no way I'm gonna try to do orienting <laughs> in the damn dark. That is insane. Uh, I'd get lost. Yeah, like we a had some emotional times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so now I want the reverse of that question. What is the race that you hated the most, disliked the most, and why? Um. Like yeah, most people say, well, I never really hated any race, but you got to pick something. <laughs> It'd probably go back to that one at Windsor when I had, yeah, yeah, when I was in a, in a bad way. That, that was, it was the worst race in so many ways because it was such a, a challenge physically and mentally to finish that. Um, yeah, that's probably the worst one, but there was a lot of growth to come from that. Right. Good mindset to want to come back after breaking your foot and getting hypothermia, man. I had unfinished business. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So my last question is, is what does Matt Roberts do Friday before a race on Saturday, Saturday morning before the race, and if he's racing on Sunday, what does he do after the race Saturday to prepare for all these races? What's your race routine? What's your secret to winning the age group series, Matt? Um, nutrition, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, nutrition, rest, relaxation. So if we're talking about like leading up to the event. Um, logistics, are always nailed. Like I'll leave plenty of time to, to get to the event. In some cases, I'll arrive on a Thursday and then whatever place we're staying, we'll swan about, be super chilled, get some good food, settle in, rest, relax. Um, typically, a lot of carbohydrates, like nutritional sources of, of carbohydrates. And then on a Friday, we'll typically get to bed reasonably early because we get up at like five-ish um, in the morning. Um, so I'm going to get a full night's sleep um, and then wake up on the morning and then have a decent sort of breakfast, nothing massive. Normally it'd be a shake with like amino acids, creatine. Um, there'll be an element of like fruit within within that, probably some coconut water, electrolytes. Um, so plenty of fluids, maybe 100 grams of, of, of carbohydrates on that. And that'll probably be three to four hours actually before a race. Um, and then leading up to the race, um, I'll probably have a little bit of caffeine, either an espresso or an Americano or, or something like that for a bit of a caffeine hit. And then, yeah, do a thorough warm-up, maybe 13 minutes before I start the event and then tip up to the start line with an espresso in hand and then go and race. And then uh, after the events, um, yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll keep on top of my nutrition. Nutrition is really, really key. I find a lot of people neglect this and, and a big one, and this is a key takeaway, and I speak a lot about this in the Obstacle Dominator group because everyone's like, I'm so fatigued and don't have the energy and I'm cramping and this sort of stuff. That's due to an electrolyte imbalance. Like basically your body is going to excrete up to a teaspoon's worth of salt per hour of intense exercise. And that is pretty much in a cool environment. So if you're somewhere that's hot um, or humid, that sweat rate is going to be accelerated. So you're going to need to make sure that you're replenishing the electrolytes. And I hear all sorts of crazy stuff like mustard and I don't know what the other ones are, but that's pickle actually juice. going to be, a, yeah, pickle, pickle juice is another <laughs> one. And, and sodium's great. But actually, the electrolytes are sodium, potassium, magnesium, and these are essential for nervous system function, energy production, also to prevent fatigue. Um, so that's an absolute sort of key key component um, to racing and hydration as, as well. It's not just water. Um, so, yeah, it'll be decent protein, 
um, a decent amount of fluids and, and electrolytes and plenty of carbohydrates. And typically what I will do, and this is what I, I teach you guys on, is you want stuff that's easily digestible therefore it can be absorbed by the body and utilized versus going to the hot dog wagon or having pizza or whatever um, and that's going to actually just make your body more inflamed affect your gut um, and not really make you perform optimally the, the next day so it's good quality nutritional choices at the right time in the right quantities to um, over a set period of time and then it'll be a feeding frenzy and then when we typically get back get back to primal hq which is a big house that all of the, the primal athletes stay in then we'll just have a massive barbecue right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and have a good social in the evening and then generally get an earlyish night and then get ready to race on on the sunday again so so what's your go-to fuel for like say a beast distance like what is your um like what is your planning for fueling for a beast this will start um a number of days before um no i'm just talking about like like during the race like how do you fuel during the race yeah i'll I'll take gels um i I use a different type of, of gels i use like you can which is like a super starch one mm-hmm. um started using some some different ones called torque um so that's what i use and sometimes i have electrolytes in them sometimes they won't sometimes i have caffeine but typically it'll be it'll be a gel every 20 to 30 minutes um just to make sure that i've got that um sort of uh, availability of carbohydrates in in my bloodstream um, all the way through if there's water stations or maybe have a sip or two um, but a lot of it comes back to the electrolytes and, and the salts that's the thing that's really going to fuel you um, and also before the race as well having um, decent um, amounts of amino acids and I'm not talking about like the branch train chain amino acids which right. everyone thinks are, are great it would be like the essential amino essential. acids so you've got the full pro profile of that yeah yeah i've always heard that essential is the way to go <clears throat> Yeah. So, Matt, I'm out of questions, man. Is there anything that you want to add to this? No, it's it's been awesome chatting to you, Scott. Like, I really appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, I hope some people get some value from this. And uh, yeah, so that's about it. Just if, right. you, if you need any support, guys, or got any questions, um, yeah, just jump into that Obstacle Dominator group. Um, it's a great growing community, um, and it's been awesome seeing a lot of people in that group uh, at races recently. So if you see me at events or see anyone from the community, come and, come and say hi. Um, yeah, it'd be and great to chat to you. If you check out his website, because I was uh, looking around on there the other day, there's a bunch of great like before and after pictures of people that have been doing uh, that have been doing Matt's program. And uh, if it's something you are interested in, you definitely want to check it out. Awesome. Hey, Matt, thanks for talking to us, man. Cheers, Scott. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Matt again for taking the time to talk to us. I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, my next race will be at West Virginia for the trifecta. I'm looking forward to it. West Virginia is always a good time. I'm curious to see how many people show up for it this year, because this is going to be the first year that it's not a national series race. So hopefully it'll still have a good turnout. I, I think it will just because that venue is pretty like central for the U S and just, you know, it's a trifecta weekend too. And it's just a real good challenging course. So 
I'm curious to see, you know, how it goes this year. I know Garfield Griffiths is the race director there again this year, so he always puts out on a good race. He could put on a race in a Walmart parking lot, and you'd be like, man, that race was awesome. But anyway, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and yo, we'll see you at next race. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.